It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, Health Watch. She's writing a prescription for hope. Here's Michelle. Hey, a prescription for hope. Ooh, I like that. Thank you very much, big voice guy. We could be using that in this day and age because things have gotten crazy. And we're going to be revisiting what has been going on in our world where COVID is concerned. We're going to be looking at the science and what the science says about decisions that were made, decisions that are still being made, and how it is going to affect us moving forward. If we don't look at it now, if we don't examine, we, you know, what's really going to happen in the future? It's something that we need to talk about. And what we're really going to be getting into today is the science. The political science versus the medical science. And that's really what it's come down to. There is a man who I love to talk with. He is a writer. He has, he's written many books, business and health. And you know what? They come together with COVID. He wrote Lockdowns on Trial and If I Am Adequate at Pushing the Buttons, his latest book, the science versus the lockdowns. Michael Beatrice is with us today. Michael, it's good to connect with you again. Hey, it's good to connect with you too. Thanks, Michelle. Okay, so it's accurate, right? It's political science versus medical science that we're really looking at in these lockdowns. And you have looked at history, recent history, far history, where pandemics are concerned. You've looked at policy. You've looked at what has taken place. And so we're going to walk through some of this, but can you say that it really does boil down to political science versus medical science? I think at this point, we can say that. I think for the last year and a half, we've almost been able to say that. And the reason is we've seen so, such wildly different policies across uh, different states. And, and the gift that's brought us is we have these huge samplings of millions of people and different geographies that show us almost like a control group of, you know, mm-hmm. did tighter restrictions correlate to uh, lower COVID activity? <clears throat> and, and then what was the cost of that? And I would challenge anybody to blindly look at any charts on cases, hospitalizations, or deaths and be able to tell me which are the tightly versus loosely restricted states. What I found through this is that the states and countries that are most impacted by COVID, they actually are more tightly correlated to uh, population obesity than they are to even age. And if it was age, Florida should be number one. I mean, Florida and Maine are the most aged populations. And so Florida should be the hardest hit. Anything less than number one is a win for Florida, the way to say it. And they're right at the population average, or excuse me, the COVID average, the nationwide average. And but the states that are most hardly hit, they're really tied to obesity. And I don't think that's a widely shared message. And so what this is shared, kind of what it's brought me is I've even learned how important it is to have a foundation of a healthy body going into something like this. I I really Mm -hmm. lived my life and I'm a pretty healthy guy. And we talked about it before hand, I climb mountains for a hobby. So like I stay pretty fit, but I had no idea how tightly correlated being overweight is to other health issues. Crazy because we look at Africa and their COVID numbers are comparatively almost non-existent and obesity is fairly non-existent in African nations. And I, that nor was is a, age, nor is age. So age. with African nations, you've got a younger, thin population 
Not one country in the world that had less than 10% obesity got hammered by COVID. Not one in terms of hospitalizations and deaths. Cases is different, right? And you're just not avoiding cases. But you're right about Africa it's, and the Far East. You're right about the Far East too. When you look at places like Japan and South Korea, Hong Kong's getting hammered a little bit, but we don't know how much of that is dying with COVID versus um, from COVID. But obesity, again, very highly correlated to a bad COVID outcome. And yet we, in this developed nation of uh, it, admonishing science as almost a godlike state in our society, Michael, we haven't talked about that. And I cite an example that came out of Hawaii that I just, I, I was like hand palm to face moment. It was an advertisement at the beginning of the year and it showed a cartoon woman who was uh, bigger and she's in front of a computer and she's trying to make health decisions like uh, new year's resolutions so she's thinking what should i do should i eat right and exercise no should i uh make you know better health like choices in in uh going for a walk that kind of thing no what should i do vaccinate keiki which are kids it's a hawaiian word for kids yes that's what i need to do we haven't talked about sugar and how it rapes your immune system we haven't talked about obesity or as as you've mentioned and it ties in what we've what we have done i would argue that at the beginning of the pandemic saying okay everyone just stay home let's just figure out what's going on here wear a mask that might protect you remember they taught us how to wash our hands again it was like being in kindergarten that i had no problem with that for the first couple of weeks but something happened i don't know i'm still trying to wrap my head around it michael is it we have control now and we hate giving it up uh are we operating in a spirit of fear I don't know what happened, but we never saw the relief and we never from that point really were able to discuss science. We were so forced. my theory on this, you hear a lot of both socially and doing these interviews and, and speaking, uh, a lot of people talking about power in the government. And so I try to stay away from that. One thing that I think is real is the media, and I did a chapter on this in, in the book that you're showing there. They, about 85% of all the coverage on COVID for the first year and a half or something was very negative, whereas it was only about 55% in the EU, kind of our peer nation, the peer part of the country, our world. And so the I think early on in the pandemic, the media gave a green light to a zero COVID type of an environment where huh. it doesn't matter if we shut down schools, it doesn't matter any of the collateral damage. It's just, <clears throat> you, we're only going to crucify you in the media if you're not doing everything you can to shut down COVID. And that really gave the politicians the green light and almost encouraged the lockdowns, in my opinion. And it took a lot of metal to be the governors like Christy Noem and, and Ron DeSantis and I'm drawing a blank, but the governors in like Nebraska and Wyoming, I gave them A's when I graded all the governors too, because they kept their kids in school more than any other states. But I think the media really drove this and encouraged the lockdowns. And what was their motivation? What did they get out of this narrative? I wrote a chapter in the first book, Lockdowns on Trial, and I called it Dirty Laundry. So if you remember the song by Don Henley, that's the only thing I can really come up with is you turn on cable news and look at the headlines on any online news source. And the first thing are these charts and the the red graphic, right? The red graphic that showed cases and, uh, and deaths. 
And, and, and we, we just don't measure things like that really, except for COVID was really the first time. And so I felt like it was really a dirty laundry type of an environment where one, you've got an election year, but even after the election was over, it's, it's just the hottest. This is the biggest story really in everybody that who is alive now, it's the biggest worldwide story in, in our history. Yeah. And I don't know that they could let it go. But there have been other worldwide stories, the Black Plague. You talk about some of the plagues in, in throughout history and how they compare to COVID. That was big or uh, no, that was huge. We didn't have any antibiotics to treat things. We didn't have antibiotics to treat the Spanish flu. Most people died of secondary infections after the Spanish flu. So once we had antibiotics and some degree of immunity as well, that really got eradicated. So COVID-19 COVID is really a category two pandemic. It's worth taking a look at this. Before COVID, the WHO and the CDC did playbooks on what to do in a pandemic influenza which COVID would fall under. And in a category two, they recommended uh, closing schools for three to four weeks, maybe at the time that there was peak community spread. It's not a crazy thought. No, and because kids are a freaking a- walking Petri dish. I'm I'm okay with that. I've worked with people who have little kids and kids and they're touching everything. I get it. I'm So I'm not here saying, oh, that was absolutely ridiculous for a couple of weeks while we get a handle on things. That might make sense. Okay. The other thing is that the playbooks expected that in a pandemic influenza, the kids would be the primary spreaders like they are yes. of the flu. Yes. They're really inefficient transmitters and carriers of COVID uh, or SARS-CoV-2 and getting sick. And so that kind of threw everybody for a curve. And yet we, in your state, and the whole West Coast and New York, we had schools closed, locking kids out for 17 months. I don't know how you reconcile something like that. And then you look at the COVID spending that the government's done and and how states are spending some of that. And the thing that's got the mountain that I'm really dying on, and this is really what we've done to kids in education. Why aren't we investing millions or billions of dollars in tutoring to bridge our disadvantaged kids that were locked down. I, I really, Oh, Michael, yeah, but a lot of the again, studies the media isn't challenging this. The media isn't no. challenging how this money has been spent. They'll highlight the fraud, but come on, there's no bigger casualty other than the actual COVID deaths than what we've done to kids. The studies are showing that they have lost mil- collectively millions of years in their education and in their lives and in their social development because of not only what we've done, but what we are continuing to do. We are still encouraging that kids get vaccinated. We're still shaming kids who aren't vaccinated. Kids! And yet the science, as you point out in the science, science versus lockdowns, it says something entirely different. Right. You brought up a, a point there in the millions of light years. So what you're talking about is what they talk, they call life years lost. And so with COVID, we had life years lost, but the average age was actually right, right around life expectancy. I'm not minimizing that. I lost a, a relative in a care facility mm-hmm. in April of 2020 to COVID in Detroit. So I, and my 90 year old mom, I've kept under wraps for, you know, the better of two years, um, trying to minimize, you know, her exposure. So I get it. I'm not a COVID denier. What you were really talking about is did the mitigations work? And then how many other life years are are we costing through things like education, development, economic achievement by the kids that are, for lack of a better term, got screwed over this. And then not to mention the healthcare costs, things like 
uh, cancer treatments that went oh, that didn't happen yes. and di cancer diagnoses and many organ transplants. I could go on and on. So we're it's almost uh, inarguable that we will have more life years lost to the lockdowns than we will COVID. And then hopefully the the after action review of this will show that the lockdowns just didn't make a big difference. Yes, but will we adhere to that? Because that has that entails someone saying, "Oops, I was wrong," and we're not seeing that. We see a lot of doubling down. It's early. I think that you'll see. I think the CDC has cried wolf and jumped sharks quite a bit. I've written pieces on this, op-ed articles on this, and uh, and so if we ever do get hit with something like. I don't know, the movie outbreak, right? What happened there? Um, would public health be, have, has confidence been lost to where people won't really listen if there is a real thing? I think they probably will. I think a, a change in leadership at the CDC, some admission that, hey, we overreacted, we were well-intended, but we got a little bit wrong. And then a few years pass yeah. with real things happening and people will recover and, and some trust. But you need a leadership change and you need an admission of responsibility. And then I think everybody moves on. Look at how optimistic you are, because I'm not. I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking, and forgive me, because I want to have, I, I want to look at this and say, yeah, later on, we're going to have, we're going to grow and be older and wiser and, and revisit these things. But I, I guess I have this fear, Michael, that there's these politicians going, oh, okay, let's see what we can exploit next so that we can have more control over people. And maybe well, that's think, just my <laughs> conspiracy think, theory showing, or I don't know. <laughs> I think the elections will impeach that kind of thinking. I think the elections- Okay, fair enough. A big shift this fall. I think we're on a path to see a big shift in, in three years. And so I, I don't think- Guys, do you see why I love Michael? He just makes everyone, everything make sense and you, you feel a little bit better about the crazy world we live in. So look at some balance, right? Five years ago, everything was an existential threat because President Trump became president. Everything was existential. Uh -huh. and, and, and when you look back, it really wasn't, right? Honestly, Trump's kind of a crazy talker. I, I'll concede that. Oh, but on policy, gosh, yes. these were pretty good. Yeah, and, uh, and you can't. You are hard pressed to find someone who absolutely hates Trump that can cite one to three policies that that he was behind that they disagree with, and that's right. again maybe the efficacy of an out of control media that spins things and the emotive state of America that receives that kind of message and runs with it again all these things that there it's the end of democracy it's really not the end of democracy democracy okay. is holding pretty darn solid and so i don't believe this will be this permanent thing i think that we've caused real harm to kids and real harm to trust in public health beyond that a lot of this is really recoverable and i again i think that a little bit of time a little bit of admission and a leadership change, and this is behind us. But there are some ways that this that the lack of adherence to the science, and trust me, everybody was researching this because we had nothing else to do for two years in lockdown. But our, including me, yeah, there you go. Thank you, and I appreciate what you did with it. As we look at the science, of our, there are many ways that we not only ignored it, we threw it out the window and canceled it. We're still doing it today. Social media, Daily Motion. I was just recently canceled for doing a show much like this. We're still doing that. When does that stop? That probably 
stops a little bit with with election changes. I, I think that the they talk, talked about a couple of things there, but I think the canceling and the censorship, I, I do think that's got finality to it. I don't think that continues. Somebody's going to put their foot down. Somebody's going to win a lawsuit, whether it's Alex Berenson or mm. Trump or somebody else yeah. against Twitter and these things. The crazy thing, like you look at Facebook, right? They banned and blocked and canceled people for talking about the lab leak theory, which is really the only... <laughs> plausible theory if you're you look at someone like john stewart who's got some, oh, some uh, yes intellectual integrity and he, he had this great thing he was on stephen colbert last summer and his uh, comment was it's like being in, in hershey pennsylvania and you're smelling this chocolatey goodness and you're wondering gee i wonder where that came from did it come from the farms oh wait there's a chocolate factory right here <laughs> that's the obvious nature of the lab leak theory but that was a canceled moment for people on all these major social media platforms i do think that goes away I think a lot of people and companies overplayed their hand, and I think time will probably settle that. And there's still some companies, though, that are working off maybe old science or hysteria where it's hard for people to find jobs right now if they're not vaccinated. Can we talk a little bit about the science of the of vaccines and efficacy and our adherence to you must be vaccinated, completely ignoring natural immunity and the number of people who have either already had it or have a strong immune system? Sure. So first, I'm going to go on record. 10 months ago, I got vaccinated with the J&J. At the time, maybe even still today, I feel like that was probably the best choice for my body based on what I've researched and I've done a bit. Um, and so you look at, and so I'm 55 and I'm healthy and I'm thin, but I'd be an outlier, I, but I could be an outlier. And so my upside felt like it was greater than my downside of taking one of the vaccines. That's how I looked at this. My 88-year-old uncle, who was a little bit overweight, and he's 88, but he had a stroke after a second shot, and one of his friends died. That's mm -hmm. real, too. Mm -hmm. I still encourage him, and I support that decision, and he passed away last week, which is you know, I'm sad. sorry. But, and so the vaccines offer some level of protective benefit for some period of time that seems real. They offer also offer uh, a risk to some people. That's real, too. Those two things can coexist. And then you need to just look at it objectively and say, what is my risk? So like in the absence of talking to a doctor, I'm giving you just data. If you're over 50 or you're overweight or have a couple other underlying conditions, you probably are benefited by getting vaccinated. If you're not in one of those categories, I'm not sure that your uh, upside is greater than your downside. The idea of, of vaccinating healthy kids, it, it borders on lunacy because a vaccinated kid is at less risk than a vaccine than me vaccinated. Okay. So my vaccinated uh, 22 year old son right, who had to get vaxxed to get into in law school after he recovered from COVID, which is just nuts, but he's at less risk of COVID than I am vaccinated someone like him. And so I don't think we've done a good job of illuminating that. And then the problem with that is because some people know that's crazy they out of protest, some moral protest, they won't get vaccinated. And then there might be some people that would benefit from that. They're real, let's say they're real overweight and 40 years old. And then they, we find out mm -hmm. they die from COVID and they might've had some benefit from the vaccines. So our public messaging on this has been very poor. And, uh, and the other thing is the crazy thing about the um, vaccine mandates is the reason that would be valuable uh, or important is if they offered a public benefit. We know, and we knew early on, uh, 
that the vaccines, you can transmit COVID, you can get COVID, you just oh. might have less serious symptoms. Uh, and then you and- have Rachel Maddow saying, look, if you're vaccinated, you cannot get it. You cannot spread it. You cannot. And you had people in the media that were preaching that. And yet pe- we know that people who were vaccinated could get it. Uh, well, we at knew least early after- on from the trial data, the people that really followed us. And by the way, Dr. Fauci knew that early on. That's why he said, just because you get vaccinated, you can't give up masks. Fauci knew the nature of the mRNA vaccines would not prevent this, particularly with variants likely on the way too. And for all the, you know, Fauci's a smart guy, okay? So he's not a dim bulb. Uh, he just sees this through a zero COVID lens. The the ire should be really be focused on the CDC because what happens is everybody says we're following CDC guidelines, right? I mean, the whole airplane thing right now, right? You've got a flight attendant lawsuit that just happened. You've got CEOs of all the airlines protesting Congress uh, and the White House to lift the mask mandates. I mean, it's lunacy on airplanes right now. But you, the, the vaccine mandates, I'm not getting on a, this is our freedom of choice. If they were sterilizing public benefit vaccines and we had a category three or even four, uh, four or even three pandemic, you can make that argument. I'm not one of these people that thinks that our freedoms supersede everything. Our freedoms might not supersede everything if we were like in the movie Outbreak. There is a time and place. COVID didn't fit into that, nor do the vaccines. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. At that point, then we can have that discussion. Look, you choose not to have a vaccine, then stay away from everyone. Stay locked down. I I get that, but COVID did not meet those requirements. And we really did not take into consideration. In fact, we demonized people that had natural immunity, even though study after study showed that it was superior. Uh, So because of our misinformation, we I think are responsible, our media in particular, are responsible for spreading and letting people feel like they had superhuman uh, immunity because I got a shot without having an intelligent dialogue. And then here we are today, Michael, in a place where people are having a hard time getting jobs because they require vaccinations. You had said at the beginning of this, as you were deciding to get the J&J, you, know, you were looking at this objective objectively making a decision for your body maybe talking to your doctor but who now we have businesses that are making that decision for you and i'm telling you what anything that has on it could re- result in death should not be mandated under such conditions i agree it's i think there are two inarguable facts of the vaccines one, there could be some protective benefit, at least for a short time, I believe. That's Absolutely, true. yes. And they offer, there's a risk to them, particularly if you're healthy, there could be more downs. So those are facts. The vaccines have caused more adverse reactions than probably all other vaccines combined in my life. That's just real. That doesn't make me an anti-vaxxer. I got it. It just means that we should look at it more intelligently. And so when you talked about the media a few minutes ago, talking about them giving you this invisible shield, right? You have to fault really the CDC. Again, that's really the organization that is setting the stage. And and Dr. Walensky has, has really taken that that torch and acted or represented that the vaccines have no real material side effects and they're basically sterilizing or everybody should get them. That that just isn't scientifically accurate. Yeah. And 
yet it, it does continue and that's where it is starting to be like the dam that's breaking you can see the cracks and programs like this and books like yours the dam is starting to crack and that's great because the more information that we actually have the better and it, I, I'm also hoping on the upside that as the media is called out that they will have maybe a come to Jesus moment <laughs> and we'll get better reporting because as a longtime journalist it's breaking my heart I want to talk about some of the most oh my gosh moments in your research for this book the science that most of us haven't heard okay so one I I didn't come into this I came into this as a guy who's had day jobs and written a bunch of business books like you said I got inspired by this because I was looking at the cruise ship data. There were two cruise ships that were quarantined, one off Japan, one off California. Just this was in March. I was doing this. I, I was following it. I'd been on one of those cruise ships. I've only been on one cruise and it was the Grand Princess that was quarantined off California. Wow. So I followed it. I thought it was interesting. Then we had that Imperial College model from England and they predicted two, over 2 million deaths by summer of 2020 in a do nothing scenario. So I just thought that was weird because nothing really happened on that princess cruise ship that I was on. And so I took the model data, plugged it into the um, demographics of those two cruise ships, and we should have lost 155 people and we lost 10. So I thought, wow, that, and they were all elderly. And I thought, wow, that's, these two things aren't reconciling. And then it was like a couple of days later, we were all locked down and we lost 40 million jobs. And so the uh, first revelation that came to me was the risk that was shared about kids kids, no kids had really died. Like in my county, I live in a county that's populated equivalent to either one of the Dakotas. And I just saw news. We lost one life under 30 in two years to COVID. It was a headline that came out. Wow. We lost our first person and that person had underlying conditions. The other thing was the highly correlated number of underlying conditions of people that died. Again, I'm not saying this, I'm not being heartless or does not minimizing it. I lost a relative but we're talking about huge monumental public policies. And so every policy we have is about the greater good. And so that's that was what triggered me into this. I didn't know anything about face masks coming into this. What I noticed was that California had lockdowns, strict lockdowns and strict mask mandates in starting, I think in April, and it was going on in May and June. And then they got a summer wave in LA. And I thought, well, that's weird. If masks work, we should see some kind of continued leveling or suppression of COVID. And, and we just didn't. It tore through sort of like a hurricane going through one of the little pig straw houses. That's just what it did. And so I started doing some research and I did a chapter on this. I did in my Science versus the Lockdowns book, I did a, the first chapter is um, Science BC before COVID <laughs> and then Science AC after COVID and <laughs> yeah. mask science. AC after COVID. And, uh, and so the reason masks don't work is because the pore size in a cloth or uh, surgical mask is 300 to a thousand times larger than an aerosol viral particle that you can catch SARS-CoV-2. So it's math. We talked about this before uh, we went on the air and you were talking about how two thirds, three quarters of the people shoppers you've seen in Seattle were still wearing masks and there's a little mask shame. As of yesterday, I was maskless at a store and people, some would walk around quietly. Okay, that's cool. That, and some would actively shame me. Stay away from her. She's not wearing a mask. I'm like, okay, leper. <laughs> it's it's so true. I, 
I feel sorry for those people if they understood the math and really looked at the charts. You, you can't find continued suppression of COVID anywhere in the world tied to a mask mandate. You, you just can't find it. And then I did a study with a couple other guys in, in January. And so we looked at about a dozen of the states that had mask mandates required in schools. So this was when we were at our peak second week, first or second week of January. And then the 10 or so states that had banned mask mandates. So those would include like Texas or Florida. Florida Texas was in litigation, but let's call Texas one of them. Florida, lots of other states. And so we looked at this. If masks worked in schools, we should see different pediatric hospitalizations to COVID. That's what really matters. The pediatric hospitalizations in the states that had mask mandates were averaging 4.23 per 100,000. Wow. The pediatric hospitalizations in the states that had banned mask mandates was 4.9. So you're really talking about when you consider over half of all pediatric hospitalizations are coincidental or incidental, meaning they're with COVID, not from it. You're really talking about it's equal, right? If these things work, it should be fairly obvious. Like it should be by a factor of two or five or 10, not something that's a rounding error. And I more feel sorry for the parents that support mask mandates in schools for not knowing what I know and having done this research and the media not getting this out and the people that wear masks in grocery stores still. And, and think, living under know, fear. I get this visual of uh, ping pong balls being shot at a chain link fence. And we're expecting that the chain link fence is going to keep all the ping pong balls in. That's the equivalent in my mind of what masks do not provide with COVID. But there is science showing that there are some adverse things that happen with continually wearing a mask. Is there not? There are the idea that we have athletes in high school or college wearing masks to, to compete or to practice is, I, I don't even know what kind of science goes into that. Certainly the early childhood development, the CDC raised the development expectations of kids at 24 months. Now that what was a development expectation at 24 months is now at 30. And that's because of slow development in, in um, at home or socially or daycare or whatever, grades slope. So there's a cost to that. But again, I'm not a freedom guy here, meaning I'm not saying this is our choice, no matter under any circumstance, if we shouldn't be told that. If masks worked, you can make that argument. And then we see where we fall. They just didn't work. And so continue to propagate that without discussing the math. I, I, I can't, no, I don't or, know. Or, or looking at, at some of the signs and having a conversation because if we are masking up and masks don't have a measurable effect against COVID, maybe they can protect from the flu or for some other things. Okay, I get it. Except for the fact that our immune system is like a muscle. You don't use it, it gets weak. And more and more people are experiencing sickness, just getting sick, catching colds, catching flus because we have been locked down because we're not exposing ourselves our immune system isn't becoming robust and worked out so there are some side effects that we should have been talking about so that we can find balance if you feel like you are at great risk get it you know get a respirator walk around with that be safe i get it but for the rest of us who need to be exposed with a healthy immune system maybe it wasn't working but this one size fits all to the 
detriment and you will be shut down if you oppose it is hasn't obviously done anyone any good and that's the message that i've gotten from a lockdown the science versus lockdowns yeah i I agree i I don't feel like we've followed the science and it's this it's a very surreal thing we saw a movie on this i I don't know for two years i don't know that anybody would believe it Uh, (laughs) and and your comment about the flu that masks being effective at blocking the flu, the transmission is more or less identical. We should learn from this that wearing a cloth or surgical mask is not going to be effective at, at, at preventing you from catching the flu. What works? Staying home. If you don't want to get sick or get or risk getting COVID or you are at risk when your community gets hit, you probably should stay home. That's a real thing. Yeah, Uh, and that's fine. And if you are sick, you should stay home. But locking down the entire community, that's fairly new. And that's where you talk about the before COVID, the BC science versus the after COVID science. It it isn't lining up. We are still in an era where we're counseling and you uh, post something like this. And at very least, social media will put something up and say, just get the real facts go here but do you do see some of this changing and that is such a oh thank god for some of us who are thinking we're living in bizarro world it is changing as of i think today with hawaii we have no more mask mandates indoors in any state that's progress the uk has taken off the mask requirement on flights going to destinations that don't have mask mandates that is progress we have more kids in school than we did, you know, three months ago, and really hardly any mask mandates. We still have some, but not many. That's all progress. So Are we going to see that there. with vaccine mandates then as well? Because we're not quite there yet. I'm sorry? Are we going to see that with uh, vaccine mandates? Because we're not quite there yet. We still require them for a lot of travel or for getting into some countries for work purposes. If you want to get a job, you have to be vaccinated and, and such. No, we're going to see the VAX mandates go away too. We're already seeing some employers remove VAX VAX mandates. By the way, you want to talk about science, right? Like just crazy. This is so surreal, Michelle. Is New York City still has a citywide requirement, a vaccine mandate, kind of to do anything, right? And yet, meaning work. And yet we're allowing artists, rock stars, athletes to (laughs) go in and they can participate by the way they should. They can participate unvaxxed. They get like a special exemption, right? It's almost, it's like these crazy things you'd see. I'm sure you saw a lot of them. One was a uh, uh, benefit di- uh, luncheon or something, uh, fundraiser that Pelosi had at in Napa, right? Where all the participants were unmasked, but the servers were yes, wearing masks. And we that's something we think- need to talk about as well. While I have you here with me, is this two tier of society. We saw that at the Super Bowl. No one in these thousands dollar seats and certainly none of the celebrities were wearing masks but all of the workers trudging up and down selling beers into the stands they all had to go up with, with masks it's the everyday people that must comply but the elite for some reason have something special in their dna i'm sure you research this in your science they have something special in their dna that that makes them uh, unable to get or transmit yeah i did it i did one <laughs> chapter on it that was a bit of fun and it was called lockdown hypocrites and so i took a year and a half of all the great stories of politicians that had instituted (laughs) tight lockdown measures 
and then got caught violating it. And so as I'm doing this, right, I'm a big classic rock fan and music fan and type, I'm writing this book, right, in my home office and I'm uh, discovering this, you know, the band called the Cranberries and so the song Zombie. And so as I'm <laughs> typing out this chapter that I learned the song Zombie, it's playing over. And so there's a lyric set in there where it says, not for me, not for my family. And I thought, oh my God, that's what this is. <laughs> and so I put those lyrics reference these people as sort of zombies. It's so surreal. You set a policy and then you don't follow it. I, how does that happen? I, I I don't even know how that, I can't even, I'm speechless over that still. That's probably one of the most mystifying things through this is the, the lockdown measure hypocrisy of Governor Pritzker in Illinois canceling all high school sports and then letting his daughter practice or compete in equestrian in states that allowed it. Like, how do you do that? How do you even sleep at night when you're doing that? And I guess Uh, that leads me to my final question. How is history going to view, what are some of the highlights that we will look back at 10, 20 years from now when, you know, you're telling your kids and grandkids, oh yeah, I lived through COVID. You hear older people saying, yes, I lived through the 1918 pandemic. How will history view this? What are some of the highlights going to be? as they look back. I get asked often, one of the th- one of the reasons, like, why did you write a book on this? Why did you write two books? One is history is remembered by the people that write about it. Mm, and so I, I wanted to do my research in the ring for that. I think that history will be unkind to this period on a lot of the mandates. I think they will say, we made a good best guess effort. I think history will uncover that it came from the lab. I think that'll be a consensus over time. Uh, and I think there will be a consensus that the lockdown measures didn't work and that the media and the government went out of control, but not just in America, worldwide. And that's how I think this will end up. Time will remember this because the math and the data is behind it, but we'll see. History is remembered by people that write about it over long periods of time. And so anyway, I threw my two cents in. There you go. And uh, the history will be remembered correctly if you read about it and you read, uh, well, more than you're being force fed. And I would highly recommend Michael's books. You will get links to them on My Michelle Live. You've been seeing them in the background. So subliminally, it's already in you. You want to get it. So go ahead, just do it. You will be all the better for it. Knowledge really is power. It can help you well the rest of this storm and whatever storm may come. Thank you for your passion in this. It must have been fascinating digging through a lot of the information. Thank you for your bravery and sharing it because years from now, people will say, yeah, Michael Butcher, he wrote about this and it's great. But right now in some circles, you're talking about taboo things. So you've been brave, you've been smart, and I have loved every bit of it. Every moment of this interview, I love our conversations. Thank you so much. That's so kind. Thank you, Michelle. And as for you, remember, get the book, like this, share this, get the information out there. Thank you. This is My Michelle Live. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.